Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to Following On Ashes Inquest with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison, where Edgbaston has once again played host to one of the great Ashes Test matches. Back in 2005, England triumphed by two runs. Well, today in 2023, it was Australia who just about got over the line, winning by two wickets. We've got lots to talk about uh, after a pulsating day of Test cricket, which ended um, at 20 past seven on day five of this Test match. Myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison looking back at an absolute classic to get the Ashes summer up and underway. Pat Cummins, that's gone off the outside edge. It's racing to the boundary. It's just kept in, but it's been deflected over right in front of the Australian travelling support. A despairing dive at the third man boundary. The ball can't be cut off. And it is Australia that have won this first Ashes Test match. They've beaten England in truly historic and dramatic style. And it's Pat Cummins that's done the damage. A captain's knock from a man who, of course, delivered the ball that Ben Stokes cut to the boundary at Headingley. That was the pain, and this is the glory. And it's Cummins uh, who has proved to be the decisive element in this Test match. England, who thought they'd won the game when Alex Carey was dismissed, with Australia still 53 runs away from salvation and victory. Well, here we are with the shadows long gone. It's almost semi-darkness. The floodlights are on way past seven o'clock on the evening of the fifth day of this, the first Test match. And it is Australia who go 1-0 up in this five-match series. And it's down to Patrick Cummins who's done the damage. A brilliant Test match, a brilliant advert for the game that has kept us in thrall from first ball through to last. But it's Australia who will celebrate tonight. And it's Australia who will go to Lords 1-0 up in the Ashes. What an unbelievable epic finish this has been. 
to a test match for me. It's had everything, literally everything you could possibly ask for over five days. You've had a bit of weather, you've had some good batting, you've had some good bowling, unbelievable fielding. You have both sides going at each other, where you're thinking one side's got the upper hand and the other one comes in. It really has been, and Pat Cummins is on my screen now, and I said at the start of this series he would be Australia's main man for the simple fact he's got to play all five test matches. He's the number one ranked seam bowler in the world. For me, if England were to do well in this series, it was about getting on top of Pat Cummins. I didn't expect him to go to Edge Baston and win it with a bat, but he did, two experienced characters at the end. Um, as much as I'm obviously patriotic and I love England, I just think this has been a great week for Test Match Cricket. The England players, you know, they'll lick their wounds and come back for Lords, but they should be immensely proud. Ben Stokes and his team immensely proud of what they've done for Test Match Cricket because all the talk of white ball cricket, domestic franchise cricket, the 100, there's not a better advert for cricket when a test match is played like this. We are now going to have young kids around the country and in Australia wanting to play with the red ball. And that, for me, 18 years ago, years ago I think, inspired what both teams said before this series about the series. Now, hopefully... We're doing that for the future generation of Test Match Cricket. This is now set up to be an unbelievable series and what an innings and what, a, you know, what an effort it's been by Pat Cummins to get his team over the line. Well, you can just see what it means to Pat Cummins. He's taken the handshakes and the back slaps uh, from his Australian teammates shortly after both sides lined up to shake each other's hands. And what was really notable was the moment that the winning runs were scored, that the England team, disappointed though they were, they went to, uh, they went to show their respect to the Australian two, who have, of course, made it possible. But then they turned to the Holly stand, to the right of me here at Edgbaston, who have provided the backdrop to this game. And they went as a team and as a man, to the boundary edge just to give their applause to the Barmy Army and all the other thousands of England fans that have uh, made it here. The Australians did the same with their, with their uh, the thousands that have turned up to support them. And I tell you what, Harmy, they have taken some absolute pelters <laughs> over the last uh, few days or so. So credit to them for sticking around and uh, gritting their teeth and getting through 7,000 drunk English cheering and shouting in their direction. They'll have their moment in the sun today. But I tell you what is exciting about this England team is that when we get to Lords in a couple of weeks' time, uh, England are going to play in exactly the same fashion. They won't uh, care about any criticism that may come their way because of the declaration. They won't uh, bear any of the criticism that come, will come their way because of the manner in which they batted in both innings. Um, and they'll stay loyal to the team as well, as long as Moeen Ali is fit, of course. The same team, I imagine, uh, will make the journey to Lords. Um, they, are un they are beaten here, but they're not, they are unbowed and they will continue on playing this brand of cricket that has really set the, uh, the game alive in this country. I don't know about you. I don't know if you know many people who don't like cricket. It would be a bit strange if you did, <laughs> but I know plenty. And I tell you what, they have been more interested in this England test team over the last five days or so than in the last 40 odd years that we've been we've been buddies and that for me tells its own story uh, we'll be disappointed today of course that's uh, part of supporting your team but the bigger picture surely is the fact that once again tomorrow test cricket will be on the back pages and the front and uh, the clamor for tickets as we head to lords is just going to get louder and louder absolutely 100 percent and not just you know that being forefront and center in in the country but i think now 
we were all worried about what the series was going to be. And I think we were all apprehensive. Could it go completely one way in one way traffic? You know, is Baz Ball going to work against this Australian pace attack? I think we're answering the questions that we've had five fantastic days of cricket. England can hold their heads up high. They will go to, to Lords and play exactly the same way. And criticism shouldn't come. Ben Stokes is where all his teams were because they have they've they've been involved in an epic test match which could have gone either way right at the very end. A little bit of luck, rubber the green could have went England's way and England could have been victorious. And I'd have still said it's been an you know, a fantastic advert and one where this series is very much still alive. You know, not for one minute do I think that one team has got the upper hand in this series. Australia go one nil up, yes. But I tell you what, it could easily be England going 1-0 up to Lords, And that, for me, is the mouth-watering prospect of another four games like this. If it's going to be like that, jeez, where will we all be come well, look, the end of Lords? Uh, come well, the end of the Oval? Well, one of the reasons that we love the 2005 Ashes series is because England did go 1-0 down after the first test. Yeah. You know, there was that sense of jeopardy. There was that sense that England are going to have to play out their skins more often than not. The fact, the, the, the element that England were going to have to perform something miraculous if they were to get past a team that boasted the likes of Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath and that Galactico batting lineup. And you know what? There were moments when we doubted, but in the end, you came through, you risked, there was reward, and, uh, you know, Shane Warne dropped Kevin Peterson <laughs> at the Oval. He so, did. He so did. To, uh, to make any... To make any I don't know, decisions or to, to come to a, an opinion after just one test of a five test series, I think is, uh, is missing the point somewhat. It's, is, uh, this has captured the imagination and as long as it continues to do so and it is competitive and as long as England do win like in 2005, then we'll all, uh, we'll all look back at this test and we'll say, well, it just set up the series nicely. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. And that's for me is where I think the beauty about test match cricket is is still the ultimate. It's still the what the kid in the back garden wants to play. Still wants to be the you know the Jimmy Andersons, the Stuart Broads because you know, I spare a thought, Stuart Broad, he's thrown his heart and soul into everything today and England will be tired, they will be wary going to Lords. Australia will bounce to Lords because that's what victory does for you. And talking about sparing a thought for somebody, the one person I would spare a thought of, and I've been in this position because I was at Trent Bridge, spare a thought for Josh Hazelwood because he is just, he is just pierced up and down that dressing room for a best part of an hour and a half, waiting to go into bat. Every other teammate is out of the game. Two guys in the middle, control of the game. And Josh Hazelwood sitting there, standing there waiting. What am I going to do? How am I going to get the runs? Am I going to try and run down the wicket? And all these things. So mentally, I think he will be a relieved man now that his team's over the line. Yep, well said, Harmy. I'm pleased to say that Jared's going to be joining us as well. Jared Kimber's just sat there, down next to me. So, uh, you know, we're going to be taking the Aussie view. Uh, Sam Elon's headed out into the, uh, the masses to try and get some uh, instant reaction as well. Might even get some, uh, some Captain Press Conference audio as well, although uh, we might be pushing it in that regard. Eh? But uh, what a game here uh, at Edgbaston. Um, and uh, I just can't wait for Lords. Uh, Harmy, Jared, I mean, we've both seen a lot of cricket together over the years. Uh, where does that test match rank f for you? Uh, in, cl in, in terms of the drama and the fact it's, it's spiralled over five days, there's been so many moments that you can point at and either point them as a reason why your team won or lost uh, for both sides, really. But uh, at the end of it, it's Australia who've ended up the victors. I mean, it's incredible, partly because 
it was inc- it was so high quality. Like, where's the weakness in any of these teams? Ben Stokes can barely walk, and he's just come in and bowled a leg cutter to take Usman Khawaja, who faced over 500 balls in this game. It just the level of cricket all the way through, right through to you know Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon at the end, and England saying you're going to win this, you're going to have to basically win it with hook shots, and we don't think you can do that. It was a remarkable game, and uh, you know the, the only thing we could argue is it wasn't a tie, and it didn't come down nine wickets. That's about the only thing that you could complain about this game, exactly the way that you want to start an Ashes. It was a massively hyped series, and it's already exceeded it. There, you're talking about you know, where the blame lies or where this, you know, that surely we can't, you know, nobody can complain about any decision their team's made because of the way this game's finished. You can talk about declaration, talk mm-hmm. about bowling changes, talk about not taking a new ball, talk about anything other. But if you, if you, if, you know, if it went the other way, you wouldn't have this epic finish. And, it lead just leads where this series could go to is just unthinkable. It's brilliant how matched these two teams are because England seem just a little bit smarter in so many different ways about the, you know this new baseball philosophy, but also you know watching Ollie Robinson find wickets, watching Jimmy Anderson get wickets, and Ben Stokes get wickets. But then on the other side, Australia's just that little bit better, right? But they've got to come to England. They've got to work out how to do that. You've got Scott Boland, you know this wonder kid. This. Well, can you be a wonder kid if you're about 34? But, <laughs> you know, this late-blooming bowler who's now having to work out how to bowl to guys as they charge down the wicket to him all the time. You talk about, you know, all the different things that happened, Harmi. I mean, Usman Khawaja should have been caught at slip really early on in, in the second day. Uh, oh, sorry, in, in the second innings. And them England missing that chance is part of the reason that this game was as extraordinary as it was. There's no way Australia gets anywhere near this total without Usman Khawaja. It, everything fell to make this as entertaining as possible. Uh, when you look back at 2005, Jared, one of the reasons it stood out as, as the classic series is, and there were many reasons, but one of the reasons was the characters um, that was involved on both sides. And I think this England team and this Australian team has got those characters. Um, but the other side of things was the quality, wasn't it? And that's what you were talking about. Back in 2005, I think it was ranked, the, the, the top two teams in world cricket ranked Australia and England. Now, India, you'd say, are a better side than England, but still, it's first versus third. Um, so the quality is there throughout. Um, do you not feel, though, that at times England did hamstring or hamstrung themselves slightly? Or it was self-inflicted wounds. We knew or we had a, we had a feeling that Johnny Bairstow might be a bit rusty because he does not get wicket for so long. So it proved. We knew that Moeen Ali coming in was going to be a huge risk uh, with his spinning finger. And so it proved. In some ways... It feels like England at some times actually almost playing with 10 men against Australia's 11. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. I think if you were to break it down on, on that level. But when you're playing a slightly better team, you, sometimes you have to take a couple of chances, right? And I think one of the chances is, well, do we bring in Liam Dawson or Will Jacks or Ryan Ahmed? Or do we just go, Mo, how do you feel? Right? And they went, Mo, how do we feel? That makes the story even better. If, if Mitchell Stark had played as fantastic a cricketer as he is, that's not as exciting as watching Scott Boland have to come out and be the night watchman. You know, one of the biggest moments in his career, someone who wasn't supposed to be there. Everything happened from a dramatic point of view. So, yeah, I do think that... I don't think either team was perfect in this game. I think both teams, no matter who won, both teams should be going, going back and going, OK, there are things that we can tweak. We've learned a little bit now. There are things that Pat Cummins did wrong. He basically handed Joe Root 100 on the first day, right? Plenty of things that you can change from that perspective. But when it comes down to it from a purely an entertainment point of view, what cricket needs in the UK is moments that stop the country. Well, if that didn't stop the country, cricket's done.
Absolutely, and the one thing I'll say going into Lords, Jared and John, is you know, I, for me it gets better because what we're possibly going to see and probably going to see, the prospect of two 90-mile-an-hour bowlers playing at Lords because mm. Mitchell Stark possibly comes in for for Australia and I've got no doubt that if Mo and Ali's not fit, England have got to, England have got to play four seamers. England have got to play four seamers now. Go with Joe Root and play Mark Wood and let him loose on uh, in this series. Yeah, I mean, it could be really exciting. Obviously, you know, Pat Cummins as well. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> we don't even think of him as a fast bowler anymore because he's so skillful. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's from that perspective, you're going to Lords now with hopefully everyone hyped up and appropriately in hype, not normal Ashes nonsense. This is this is cricket hype at this point, right? This is a game that was an incredible context, a, a contest, and it could be an even more um, special one when we get to Lords. And what you hope is that these two teams continue to play at this level. Maybe Australia pull away, or England find a way to, you know, to knock them down a little bit. But if we see cricket of this high quality, even if not, we don't get another close test, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant summer. And to go to Lords, knowing that there are, you know, potentially two ninety mile an hour bowls, I, I tell you what. Army. I watched Mitchell start bowling in the in the break at T. He was bowling about as fast as he's ever bowled. I think he was trying to make a point to some of the people who may have left him out. Yeah, I would as well. If that was it would, it's just a pity that the captain wasn't 22 yards away, because whenever Michael Vaughan <laughs> left me out, I didn't exactly bowl off 22 yards. It was more like 18, but I was not pitching many up to make sure that the big fella got a game. So I, I hope Mitchell Stark plays in the uh, at Lords because what you've just said there before about you know characters adding to this series, I think two two more you know quick bowlers in this series might add to the fun of the fair of especially from from my point of view from an England point of view I think a 90 mile an hour bowler against I think some of the frailties of the Australian batting lineup against the short ball or against the quick stuff and I know the they normally play on bounty wickets but Mark Wood yeah, he's got Smith he's got Labashian a few times he's got head in the last series I think Mark Wood really changes the the, the dynamics of this bowling attack because I think Broad's bowled nicely in this game Robinson and Anderson looked a little bit rusty, having not played for a while. So I could understand why Broad played in the game. But I think Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, Ollie Robinson and Mark Wood, I think is a mouthwatering proposition for Lords. Well, I mean, just watching the short ball and the way it was used at times in this match, this wasn't even a good wicket for the short no. ball, Harmy. I mean, it, it barely got up. I mean, yeah, there was it, some... You say that, Jared, but I think sometimes these wickets are the ones that are really more oh. difficult to, to... If they're on a bouncy one like Perth, you're just rocking underneath it. Swearing no, out but what it. I mean is, from a, you're right, from a playing it, we both know playing it would have been awkward on this pitch because the ball didn't get up. But what I mean is, if Lords has any pace in it and there's something going on or even some seam movement, it's going to be even more exciting to the casual fan, right? Absolutely. It's going to explode because the thing about the thing about what we saw there is we just saw an incredibly tense, turgid, entertaining cricket match on a on a wicket that wasn't exactly made for any of those things. The, the cricket is elevated. What can they do on a great Lord's wicket? It would be incredible. One question for you, Jared, before you go. I really appreciate your time. The declaration. Okay. <laughs> now I'm not going to say was it a good thing, was it a bad thing? Was it? But I think it was a good thing. I think I think if that declaration doesn't occur then this is a draw. Maybe. And I think the whole comple- the whole uh, template of this test match changes. The declaration, bearing in mind, we finished this game within four out- overs of its, de- of its designated finish time. Obviously, they could have scored a bit quicker or there could have been different tactics on the final day. But it's just, it's set it up. You play this test match, 
in any other era, even 2005, and I know Michael Vaughan was saying that day one at um, Edgbaston in 2005 was Basball, and he was right because they scored it even quicker than England did on day one here. But essentially, any other captain, especially at nil-nil, would have gone, we'll back till lunch on day four, or day two if we can, maybe half an hour after, and then we put Australia in. And then Australia on this pitch probably would have lost a couple of wickets. And, and it's essentially, it's a draw from probably the start of day three. And it is completely different as we head to Lords. And that's not what occurred here. No, I mean, England are making choices. We saw the same thing in New Zealand, right? They are making choices that are uh, giving us exciting matches. And for those casual fans who, you know, are just tuning in, if you follow first-class cricket, this stuff happens all the time. You know, Harmi would see, you see so many declarations and fun things that happen in first-class cricket because you're playing for points. And, and four days later, you've got another game coming up. Test cricket has been played like every game uh, your life depended on it and you couldn't make any mistakes. And Basball isn't that. Basball is, we are a flawed team. We are not perfect. What's Moen Ali's phone number? Can we get him in? All these sorts of things. It's a completely different way of thinking about the sport. And because of that, they might have lost this game. They might have lost to New Zealand. How many fans have they lost? How many people watching who aren't into Test cricket in the last couple of months watching England are absolutely all in, invested in this? And so, yeah, it, it's a different way of playing, but it, the way they were playing beforehand, which is what you said, they would have batted on very uh, for a long period, they probably wouldn't have got there. In fact, they probably wouldn't have scored 380 on the first day if they were batting in the, old, the way that England were batting before because you and I covered them a lot. I didn't see them making 380 in an innings, let alone a day. I tell you what, my phone normally when England lose an Ashes test match goes uh, off the scale with people complaining, pointing fingers, moaning. And all I'm getting is people who don't even like cricket messaging me saying how great that was, what a yeah. spectacle it was. You know, they've, it, it's, a, it's a game changer, hopefully. Absolutely. Now, at, at the end of this series, if England lose 4-0 and, uh, yeah. you know... <laughs> Then maybe we change our change our, yeah, our, yeah, but, but our John, opinions somewhat, but, but that's yeah. the risk, isn't it? Risk and reward. But John, just quickly, it was a great point that Jared made. Not so much losing sort of this, that, and the other. Twelve months ago, we were losing Test cricket, mm. and I don't think we are now because of you know what these two teams are about to give us. Fantastic. Brilliant. Jared, um, thank you for your time. I'll race you back to London. Um, we've still got uh, another 15 minutes left of the show before uh, Addy and Rory take over. And we are going to take a little look to uh, the second test match. Sam Ellard, I think, has been out and about. And uh, we're going to hear from him with some either uh, victorious uh, Australian fans or some subdued England fans, I guess. Uh, and we'll have a little look back at, at an extraordinary day's play here at Edgbaston. You are listening to Following on Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. A pitch-perfect delivery of superior cricket conversation. This is following on Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. There's a Pat Cummins. That's gone off the outside edge. It's racing to the boundary. It's just kept in, but it's been deflected over. Right in front of the Australian travelling support. A despairing dive at the third-man boundary. The ball can't be cut off. And it is Australia that have won this first Ashes Test match. They've beaten England in truly historic and dramatic style. You're listening to Following on Ashes Inquest here on Talk Sport. We've had some uh, people getting in contact, in contact with us. Kerry from Swansea says, I think sledging has a polar opposite effect in cricket. It galvanises galvanizes and motivates the other team. It would be interesting to, think, to hear what you say about that, Harmy. And Stuart Holland says, great match. Can take losing when it's entertaining. Cannot wait for the second test. That's a, 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 a familiar refrain uh, in the uh, what have we had? Half an hour since that uh, memorable moment from an Australian perspective as Patrick Cummins opened the face of his blade, uh, diverted the ball down to the third man boundary and it was deflected over for those winning runs. Yeah, and yeah, you, you, you just try and take stock of, of what's just happened and try and digest what just happened. And I think we've got, I think we might have to need another week to just get our heads around what has just happened. It's been a brilliant game of cricket. It really has. And, you know, I'm talking, you know, call the text there saying we don't mind losing when it's entertaining. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I'd still be... I'd still be saying we've just, we've just witnessed something, I think, which is something that people don't really understand which is saving test match cricket all the talk of the white ball stuff all the talk of franchises taking over the uh, the world game we have just seen two powerhouses of, of international red ball cricket go toe to toe and it's gone right down to the wire for me as much as it pains me to say it's well put australia uh, fred dunker says uh, he gets in contact via cricket underscore ts the initiative um, and this test match was thrown away by a ridiculous declaration. Don't care what anybody says. At the end of the day, all that matters is the win. I've bet on a 4-0 or 5-0 series win to the Aussies was just a question of them winning this first test. 
Wow, yeah. Well, I mean, you can understand it. You, I can I, understand, I do understand it. it. Yeah. I do understand that. I mean, and I'll be interested to know what kids think of it as well, because when you're a kid, you just want to win. You're not, you're not looking at it from this holistic approach to saving test cricket. You just want to win. You do. You know, I remember as a kid when, you know, uh, Hansi Kronje gave us that uh, dodgy leather jacket declaration. I did not care that it was... I mean, obviously, we didn't know at the time that there was anything dodgy about it, but we did not care. And, you know, I remember going to watch England win, you know, dead rubbers at the end of Ashes series in the 90s. Did not care that it was a dead rubber. I just wanted to see my team win. So it would be interesting to think what or know what kids think about this. Yeah, I, I get that. But I, I and, and I keep coming back to this, that you said, not bothered about saving Test Match Cricket. Test Match Cricket was dead 12 months ago. And the way Stokes and McCullum have gone about changing the way we look at the game, the way we've played the game, our positivity in the game, mindset and everything that comes with it, it comes with mistakes. It comes with flaws and it comes with brilliance. And what I've seen in the last 12 months, I've seen mistakes, I've seen flaws, but I've also seen brilliance. And I mean absolute brilliance. Stuart Broad, Mount Monganui, we've seen absolute brilliance. Johnny Bairstow at Trent Bridge. These come with, unfortunately, the game's not played perfectly. And you have, and it, keep coming back to it, you have five days to win a cricket match. It's not a case of, you know, you've got to play five days to get there. You know, England, at this minute in time, are playing a game which is, right, the best outcome for us is to declare just before the close of play, give our bowlers a chance to make inroads and get somebody like David Warner out. And then it was 29 for two the next morning. So I didn't hear many people complain about the declaration then. I just think, like you said earlier, if we hadn't declared and this thing had run its course, we would have been looking at a draw from three days out. We had all that rain this morning and we would have been twiddling our thumbs going, why are we playing Test Match Cricket? You know, why are we playing the Ashes? Why aren't we not watching 20 overs, crash bang wallop with franchises and seeing you know, all the funfair that comes with that? No. Unfortunately, these guys are going to make mistakes. So I will stick up for them. And while anybody has a go at the declaration, I will stick up because we have turned a massive corner in this country in Red Bull cricket over the course of the last 12 months. But it's not always going to be perfect. OK, let's look at Lords. Who plays for England? I think I think there's one change. I don't think Moen Ali, as much as I think he might be able to get himself, you know, the, the finger hardened and it, 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 um, it healed... Uh, I think Lords is possibly somewhere where you could possibly go in with four seamers and Joe Root and go in using the slope and using the seam that way and possibly keeping, giving Moen an extra week to, to get that finger right. If, we, if, if the finger's right, then I, I, I don't expect too many, change, uh, too many changes, if any. I've somehow got to find a way for Mark Wood. I really do. But unfortunately, knowing this regime the way they have got, I think they might keep the same side if Moen's fit. But for me, I think Mark Wood's got to play because I think there's vulnerabilities in that top order with Australia, especially with a quick stop, especially with a short ball. Labashane's getting caught on the crease. Smith's getting caught on the crease. And, you know, who better to exploit that by Pierce? Just genuine Pierce. We're seeing, you know, in the Australian side. So for me, I think you've got to try and find a place for Wood. And it could be the fact that if Mo and Ali's not fit, it's an easy one, one in, one out. If Mo and Ali is fit, then I'd, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to go in with, with all four seamers, having witnessed what I've witnessed in the Australian batting unit so far in this the game at Edgebaston. So you, have to, you have to play a spinner at 
at Lords. Yes, and I, I, I get you, and I, I've been a big advocate for it because of the slope. But I just look at this, this mm-hmm. where this where the scenarios are. Uh, if it's not mowing, then it's a fourth seamer. I don't play. I can't play Ahmed. I can't play Dawson. I don't see the point of playing Dawson, Ahmed, or Jax if Moen's not fit. I really don't. I don't see the playing a spinner for the sake of playing a spinner. As much as Ben likes a spinner in a team, and you've got loads of slope DRS, I think that that spin bowler, whoever comes in, and it's not Moen Ali, with the pressure of the Ashes, what's just happened this week, and everything that's going to come with it to possibly make their debut or play in one of the an infancy of their, their their test match career under pressure, you'll get more out of the fourth seamer. And that fourth seamer for me will be Mark Wood and Bowen 90 mile an hour. What a day it's been, John. I need a cup of tea and I need to sit down. Actually, I need something stronger. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, have something stronger on the Rattler back to London, that's for sure. Uh, listen... Brilliant to, to be alongside you for the last five days. Actually, last six days. We did a preview show, didn't we? Um, but we will be back following day one of the second test at Lords. Myself and Steve Harmison on following on Ashes Inquest. Um, what stories, what brilliance, what more memorable moments will we be discussing then? Uh, what uh, funky fields and dodgy declaration will occur? We will uh, count down the days until the second test, but it'll be Australia celebrating tonight and possibly Test cricket fans as well. They have pulled off a truly miraculous victory here at Edgbaston. Uh, 230 for eight at one stage, uh, but an unbeaten partnership between Pat Cummins, the captain, who hit the one winning runs, and also Nathan Lyon has seen them to victory here at Edgbaston, beating England by two wickets. So we go on to Lords, and myself and Harmy will be following them. Following on Ashes Inquest here on Talksport. You've been listening to the following on podcast from Talksport. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, for more cricket content, you can listen to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On. The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.